1: and I went hiking in the Tortolita Mountains when I was about 15. We hiked back in there for a full day. I'm not sure how much ground we covered, but it was a good amount. We set up camp for the night, cooked some grub. Then I went to sleep in the tent. My buddy woke me up at around 2.30 a.m. asking me if I could hear that noise. I sat there for a moment when I heard it. Sounded like a mouth harp off in the distance. Playing a tune. Then it stopped for a bit and started up closer to us for 10 or so minutes. Then stopped, relocated again, and started up. This went on for about an hour. Every 10 or 15 minutes, we could hear the sound coming from a different location. We were terrified. We had no weapons. I couldn't sleep the rest of the night. In the morning, we went looking for evidence of someone being out there, and we found some footprints I don't know how old they were but there were some there 100%, not a samsquatch. We are talking boot prints. The hike back was so creepy. Felt like we were being watched the entire time. Not sure if that feeling was because we were actually being watched, or if I was just sketched out from the night before, but it was one of the creepiest experiences I have ever had. Who even knows how to play a mouth harp? Me and a buddy went camping on my parents' property back in high school, say six years ago. The spot is pretty secluded, and the only company we had for miles were cows and coyotes. We fished all day and had just settled in around a nice little campfire when I heard a helicopter. We were somewhat near a pipeline, so it wasn't that unusual for planes and chompers to check it, but I'd never seen them do so at night. The helicopter continued to get closer until we were able to see it silhouetted against the stars. We didn't think anything was amiss at first until I noticed the black sphere literally suspended about four feet in front of it. The sphere was roughly the same size as the chopper and traveling at the same speed. This was without alcohol, drugs, etc. No idea what it was to this day. I went camping out near Ditcero, Colorado. It's a more desert-like area, and the State Park I-IRC was up on a tall plateau. It was about a half-hour drive up. Free camping, no utilities or amenities or anything. Just find a spot and enjoy. There were forests and whatnot up top, but not much else beyond that and all the dust. We stayed there three days, and what creeped me out off the bat was the fact that there were no bird sounds, or really any small critters. No chirping, no tiny bodies flitting about, nothing. Pure silence outside of the many flies. There were in fact birds there, because the next morning we found a dead one behind our tent among the trees. It wasn't there before, it was fresh. We go out for the day, come across a large herd of sheep grazing on a trail, but still no birds. The next morning after that, the bird was torn to shreds, Feathers here, bits there, all around the trees to the back of us and around our campsite. So this detail is a bit important for the next part. We had brought our dogs with us. Mine's a straight dingus and has no use except for being a cuddle bug. But my fiancé's corgi is amazingly perceptive. Sharp vision and sharp hearing, but also super friendly. She wasn't friendly the night before we left. We had a fire going and it was completely silent like the nights before. Not even cricket chirps or anything, just a crackling fire, and Susie growling at something in the dark. She wouldn't turn her head and look elsewhere. She kept looking to the trees behind the tent, yet again just growling, and with a ridge of fur standing on her back. We'd shine our lights back there, it was a thin line of trees, nothing thick and wouldn't see anything. She continued to growl until we doused the fire and everybody piled into the tent. The next morning, some animal had pissed in their water dish. It was very yellow-green and rank, and I couldn't leave that place fast enough. It was probably just a raccoon or something small like that, but still, ugh. This occurred in Oakland, California, where my wife's parents lived. There have been several shootings in the area more than normal, and the funeral home on International Drive has been getting a lot of business. A few weeks ago, my in-laws were driving through Oakland at around 2 a.m. in the morning. My mother-in-law works as a live-in hospice nurse and only has a day or so off. She was coming back at 2 a.m. after having the evening off. While they were driving to her job, They saw a woman standing on the corner next to the funeral home with a dress on and very well dressed. They saw her at the corner while they were stopped at the intersection and noticed that the woman smiled at them. They also noticed that her eyes were black. My in-laws were frightened and drove away as fast as they could. My father-in-law drops off my mother-in-law at her work and wonders if that ghost woman he saw at the corner will be there on the way back he had to go through that same intersection. On his way back she was still there at the corner and this time he was stuck at the light at the intersection she actually waved to him and he noticed again she had black eyes it seemed like she was trying to get him to come over and pick her up naturally when the light turned green he sped out of that intersection to get home no one seems to know who she is but they all seem to agree that her funeral was probably through the funeral home there on that street As to why she was on that street between 2 a.m. and 3 a.m., I think she was looking for victims. My friend Matt lived on the corner of South Carpenter in Sleepy Hollow, New York. His house was surrounded by woods and had well water. His neighbors owned cows, horses, and many acres of land. Matt's sister was a medium and was able to communicate with spirits. She was kind of gothic and had a strange group of friends. During one birthday party, a group of goths came back terrified. They said they had seen a witch in the woods. At first, they saw an old lady from a distance, and it seemed like she was lost and looking for something. They approached her eager to help. They stepped closer and went to reach for her shoulder when she began laughing. She turned around and petrified the group most of the people thought the group was lying but matt knew his sister could tell the kids were serious too they were actually scared and the forest they were in was a labyrinth of spooky trees it was easy to get turned around later that year this is what happened matt bill and i were hiking during the winter months there wasn't snow on the ground but the air sure was cold we were bundled up and didn't plan on going far But, of course, we followed the trail, and it led us to a place we could never imagine. I was following Matt, but he wasn't the best with directions. We were in a thick forest that we had never explored before. We continued trekking, searching desperately for familiar territory. It was getting dark. Finally, we heard cars. We made it to the road and saw it with Sleepy Hollow. I thought it was funny and antagonized Bill and Matt about the Headless Horseman but they were a little younger than me and started to cry. They were scared. It should have been straightforward to make it back to the house using the roads. But sadly, we did not make the best decisions. Matt was oblivious to the surrounding streets and directions and was clueless about how to get us back. I remember the rope my dad used very vaguely and attempted to lead us back. There were no sidewalks, so we walked on the ditch alongside the forest. After a while, Bill ran ahead of me. He said something was back there. Something was following us. I didn't believe him, and I stopped walking. I looked back and saw that he wasn't lying. There was some kind of black upright dog just walking behind us. We started to jog, and so did the canine. Matt and Bill were faster than me. I told them to run ahead, and that I would get this thing away from us. By that point, I had a general idea of where I was. I be-lined it to the forest and caught the trail. I couldn't see much, but the trees paved the way for me. I had no visual of the dog anymore, but I knew it was on my trail. After what felt like forever, I could hear the commotion from Matt's family's party. The flames from the bonfire peeked through the trees and I felt relieved. I moved towards the tree line and suddenly went barreling into the ground. My foot caught a root and I was badly scraped up. With my hands and knees bleeding, I rolled over in slow motion and my life flashed before my eyes. I heard something crashing down the path about 30 yards from me. I hopped to my feet and went straight through the briars and branches leaping to the illuminating grass. I made it to the fire and the creature luckily left the darkness. Matt and Bill were already sitting on their mom's lap telling the story. My parents were happy to see I was still alive but not surprised at all. The adults saw my wounds and gasped. I told them the werewolf got me. Years later, my friend Alex moved nearby. He had two encounters with a wolfman. Once, he and his two sisters saw a large lichen creature cross the road and scale a deep hill within seconds. His other encounter was with me. We saw a pair of eyes out of his patio window in the woods. It was the scariest night of my life, and I never slept over there again. We tried to sleep in the basement, but had to go upstairs because we were terrified. A friend of mine has encouraged me to share my experience from May 2021. Iron Pot Creek Campground in Tunumbar National Park, west of Kyogle, New South Wales, Australia, is where it happened. I and two friends were camped there for a week, and one evening we heard a squawking, screaming sound. We turned our flashlights on a black opossum being chased by a creature that was maybe four feet tall. We watched as the creature scurried up a gum tree only a few meters away. As we followed its climb, it hopped from one tree trunk to the next tree some three meters away, apparently defying physics. As it hopped out away from the tree trunk and then moved in towards the second tree that was perpendicular to each other. One of my friends watched all of this with me, and we had a lively discussion about its odd attributes, but didn't think much of it. That night, I awoke in my van to a juvenile one, only a foot tall, with very long arms, and a red face that had a pointed nose almost like a chicken's beak. I was calm enough. I turned the light on thinking it would be scared away, but I essentially needed to push it out of the van as its curiosity was strong and fear non-existent. I slammed the door and the poor thing got its foot caught momentarily, but escaped. It took a few months of processing before I really could accept the fact these creatures are not something documented and are commonly known as hairy men. There was no strong smell, but a notable distortion of time. The one-week time passed with ease and the days were so calm. I have had time to accept what I saw and over the past few months have shared this story recently with a friend who had his own experience in the Daintree National Park, Queensland, and encouraged me to share. I just came here today about 20 minutes ago and have seen two videos about the sounds. One I do believe is faked, in all honesty. One sounds like a concert in the distance, but... This isn't really about the recent happenings. What I want to know is if anyone else has ever experienced this sound before. And if so, how old are you now, or how old were you then, when you first heard it? I've read only certain people can hear it, I think above age 25, or actually 40 and above. Myself, I'm early 30s, and I have heard the sound at least twice in my life. The first time was about 12 years ago. I saw something really effing scary on someone one time. It looked like a weird smile, and because he was a friend who I trusted, I felt some super deep sense of betrayal, like, he was betraying all humans because he wasn't one, like a demon. Yeah, I know, crazy, but when I saw him smile that way, I heard such a sharp sound, sounded like a trumpet but like it was a string instrument that someone slid their fingers across really quickly and aggressively, then abruptly stopped. I used to hear this swing set all the time. For years. But when I looked for it, I couldn't find it. Then I never heard it again. And the area where I heard it, the people all still lived there. No swing set. And about a year or year and a half ago, at a different apt building, I heard this loud rumbling didn't sound like a trumpet or anything, just sounded like, I don't know, deep underground construction. But there was none, and it had come in waves each day I heard it. It had last like 40 minutes, and there'd be like seven or so waves. It had crescendo, then descends in a slow-ass way, then it had come back. Because of that, I googled the hum and looked up some vids about it, One vid tried to debunk it by saying it sounds like dry ice on a sheet of steel, which does, but it's super loud, just a low bass rumble. And one dude said it's 18 wheelers slamming on their brakes. Where I live, no big trucks would really come through like that, maybe like three a day. I can hear the traffic from where I live. I rarely heard big trucks come through, at least not slamming on the brakes. After I watched that video for about a week, I'd hear like at least 15 a day. Then after that week, it all stopped. No more big tricks slamming the brakes. And I noticed it then and there and have paid attention to it since. Rarely do they slam on their brakes and 15 trucks doing that every day for a week is very noticeable, strange. And another thing I wanna mention is how my smaller city didn't have too many police chases. But in the last three months, I hear them like at least three or four times a week. And a neighbor is a cop, and I asked if those are actually police chases and not just cops rushing to a crime scene, and he confirmed there's police chases happening. And I've lived in this building for a second time now for at least two years and some odd months. And another thing I want to mention is locusts. They've been appearing every year for about two months at a time, right before hurricane season. For about six years, maybe seven. Again, I will mention that though I do believe in a supreme being, I'm not religious. I was raised Christian, sure, but I'm not a religious person. Not anymore. And the reason I say this is because I've noticed the religious concepts in this I'm writing right now. Anywho, what do y'all think? Have y'all noticed this stuff? And what do you think of it? Just a coincidence and I'm being superstitious. had the lookout watch on the bow of a tall ship at three or so on a clear night. Beautiful sailing weather, calm seas, could see every star, etc. You basically have binoculars and look at the water ahead of the ship, making little circles from the horizon towards the ship, then looking to the right, doing the same, moving all the way around the ship, with frequent looks ahead to make sure nothing's in your way. As I was doing this, I eventually got to looking behind the ship, where I saw a huge cloud of smoke coming off the horizon and it was lit up orange like a ship had exploded in a huge fireball. There was nothing else around the cloud in the sky or the water. I estimated it to be just over the horizon eight miles. I hurriedly called to the bridge and reported some sort of fireball or explosion. As the office of the deck was checking it out, the smoke moved to the side and then the moon started to rise. I was looking at the moonrise, and it was very orange since the moon was on the horizon, and there was one single wispy cloud in front of it. The cloud was backlit by this orange moon. The effect only lasted for a few seconds. If I had scanned that section a few seconds before or a few seconds later, I would have seen some part of the moon, and maybe a little cloud next to it. But they just happened to line up right when I looked. Then there was the time I heard a she devil banshee howl around the same time in the morning, while I was the office of the deck on another ship. Never figured out what that was, don't care to. I swear that what I'm about to tell you is true, and I must clarify that I did work in a secretive government program. Under the Obama administration, we were tasked with analyzing cryptids, those mysterious and often elusive creatures like Bigfoot and Dogman, Our program operated far from the public eye, hidden away in the shadows, and most of our work was classified. One day, while deep in the heart of our research, we received a startling piece of information that had everyone in the office buzzing. Something huge was being captured at a local national park, and the government wanted us to investigate. The urgency was palpable, and it felt as if we were about to be given a unique opportunity to uncover the truth behind these enigmatic beings. I was part of a small team, and we arrived at the National Park just as the sun was beginning to set. The air was thick with anticipation, and our hearts raced as we ventured deeper into the wilderness. Armed with equipment for data collection and recording, we had no idea what we were about to witness. As we journeyed into the park, The sense of urgency became overwhelming. I couldn't help but feel a strange mixture of excitement and trepidation. We followed the distant sounds of vehicles and people, which led us to a clearing bathed in the dimming twilight. There it was, a creature beyond belief, sprawled on the ground. My heart pounded in my chest as I gazed at the enormous being that lay motionless before us. It was unlike anything I'd ever seen before. This creature was colossal, with matted fur in a frame that seemed almost inhuman. Its eyes were open, but there was no life left in them. The sheer size of it was astonishing, and I couldn't believe we were finally face-to-face with something so extraordinary. The scene was surreal. But what shocked me even more were the people surrounding the creature, dressed in what appeared to be police uniforms. They were pulling a massive cadaver-like bag, presumably meant to contain the colossal creature. It was a surreal and unsettling sight, and it made me wonder just how long the government had known about these cryptids and what their intentions were. I decided to take a risk and document the scene. I stealthily reached for my camera, lifted it towards the extraordinary sight before me, and pressed the shutter. The flash of the camera illuminated the area for just an instant, but that was long enough for one of the individuals in police attire to spot me. Fear clenched at my chest, and my heart raced as the realization hit me that I had been seen. I knew that I needed to escape, or the consequences could be dire. In a blind panic, I turned and fled, leaving behind my colleagues my work and the secrets we had spent years unearthing. I never returned to my government job. The fear of what I had stumbled upon that day haunted me, I couldn't shake the feeling that we were just scratching the surface of something far larger and more enigmatic than I had ever imagined. The government's involvement, the creatures we were investigating, and the secrets they held were too much for me to bear. My life took a different path after that day, but I knew one thing for sure. Something truly extraordinary existed in our world, something that was kept hidden for reasons unknown. The images I captured remain a secret, buried away, just like the cryptids we studied. Has anyone encountered granola-like people? I am a 20-year-old male, and for years I've witnessed two granola-textured people. My first encounter was at the age of five when I lived in my home in Kansas. They were about three feet, two inches tall, with yellow eyes and skin that was textured like granola. I would wake up in the middle of the night to see these two things staring back at me. I would often just close my eyes really hard or turn the other way. The countless times I'd tell my parents they'd brush it off as a kid, just being a kid, understandable. Although one day when I woke up after them being there the previous night, there were two sets of tiny handprints on my bedside. They weren't human handprints, but more of two sets of where someone put their fingerless hands. The handprints were made up of a disgusting smelling granola textured substance. My parents, baffled by it, brushed it off as me having a midnight snack. These encounters happened the entire three years I lived in Kansas. Now I've lived in several other states where I continued to encounter these things. Now I understand as a child we are impressionable to certain things. But I know I physically saw these things and continued to see them well into my teen years.
0: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.
1: I have encounters in the other states I've lived, but this post would be an essay. Has anyone encountered anything similar? I have yet to find a similar case to this and would be interested to hear from the community. Around 15 years ago, I was in the Swiss Alps snowboarding. At night, I went outside to smoke a cigarette and heard a strange howling sound. I thought nothing at that time and went inside again to the cozy fire, a beer and a book. An hour later, I went outside again to smoke and there was still the strange howling. What animal does such strange noises, I thought. But not minding, I went inside again to fire, beer, and book. Around midnight, I went for my good night smoke. Scanning the mountainside while listening to the howling that was still going on, I saw a small black dot in the white landscape, which I thought wasn't there before. And it was also in the general direction of the sound. By now, I was bursting with curiosity so I took my gear and went outside. After an hour navigating through the hilly mountainside, I was near the source of the howling, and I could see the black dot in a snowfield some hundred meters down the hill. I must have bypassed it while orientating by sound. From how big it was in the distance, I thought it could be a fox or maybe a small lynx. Careful, I got nearer. When I was some twenty meters away, I shockingly discovered that it was a little boy crying or screaming or howling. He wasn't dressed for a winter night either. When I talked to him, he told me that he ran away from home because his mean sister destroyed his favorite toy. In the end, I had to carry him home because he couldn't feel his feet anymore. They were making holidays in a secluded house in the mountains. Since there was light in the house and smoke out of the chimney, I let him walk the last 10 meters to his house alone and waited till he was inside. When I was younger, my dad, his friend or his friend's family, my brother and I used to go on holidays to the outback. Now we live in Australia, so the outback is quite vast and secluded. One time we were camping somewhere near the Simpson Desert in the middle of absolutely nowhere No towns for almost 1,000 kilometers, and all we slept in were swags like canvas tents in the shape of a sleeping bag. But you have a sleeping bag inside and a thin mattress on the bottom. So basically, the only thing separating your face from the outside world is a little bit of fly netting. On this particular night, we heard a lot of strange, creepy sounds during the night, and while I was sleeping fortunately, or I would have freaked out, Dad watched warily as a dingo stood right beside me, staring at my face, deciding whether or not to attack me. Dad said he was poised to defend me if the dingo attacked, but fortunately, we left some food out, so instead of eating me, the dingoes ate the leftover food. It was pretty darn creepy, knowing that if they hadn't found food, they would have likely attacked us, and me in particular. When I was bow hunting with my dad in Nevada, it was about 45 minutes to an hour before sunset, and we were walking back to the truck. When you hunt, you hear birds, the wind through the trees, insects. Well, all of a sudden, it just got dead quiet. No wind, no insects, no birds, nothing. You could hear a pin drop. My dad stopped me and told me to get down low. I of course thought he saw a cow elk, and so I got down and we stayed like that for about ten minutes, just straining to hear something. All of a sudden we could hear birds, the insects, the wind. Once we got back to the truck, I asked him why we were so quiet, because I didn't see any elk. He said there wasn't any elk, but there was something. I asked him if it was a mountain lion. He said, something didn't feel right. I've been hunting these mountains for 30 years, never felt what I felt at that mountain. That was five years ago, and my dad doesn't go back to that area to hunt. was spending a summer with my grandmother, who lives in southern coastal Oregon. We were taking a walk through one of the many, many little hiking trails peppered about the state, and it was beautiful. The woods were gorgeous, the trees were huge, and the ambient noise was soothing. Then, suddenly, it just stopped. The birds stopped chirping, the insects stopped buzzing and whirring, the breeze stood dead in the woods, the trees and ferns no longer rustled. It was absolute stillness, like a tableau frozen in a moment. I was spooked solid. I felt really uneasy, and a pit was rapidly forming in my stomach. I tensed up, as if by instinct because it felt like something was near, something with the presence and gravitas to make the whole forest silent. Then it passed, whatever it was, and the sounds of nature started up again. To this day, neither I nor my grandmother know what happened. I was doing a day hike with my girlfriend in a national park in Canada. About six hours up, Three hours down, so we were pretty tired and trying to make time before the sun set on the mountains. As we are descending the mountain, I spot three men coming up the trail still very far off, and something just felt. Off, I can't tell you why I had the initial feeling. After thinking about it, we had started up the mountain a little later than we had planned, and there was no one parked at the trailhead, so we absolutely didn't expect people coming up after us, especially since most of the trail is in dense tree cover until you get about four hours up, so there is no point unless you are doing the whole trail. Trying not to freak her out, we stop and I try and get a better view up above us on a little ridge. I see them as they walk through a little clearing in the path, and I notice none of them have packs on, and all three are carrying what I thought might have been rifles, but no packs for sure. Jeans, windbreakers, or sweaters, And the fact that we were in the very middle of one of the most highly patrolled and enforced national parks in Canada means these guys were not hunting. And again, I couldn't really tell what they were holding, but I just had a bad, bad feeling. I told my girlfriend I didn't want to meet these guys on the trail as I had a bad feeling, and we pulled a Frodo under a tree stump like 30 feet off the trail. We waited for like 30 minutus-ish and hear them come up the trail almost on top of us. They were speaking lower and i didn't really want to go for a closer look at them but it sounded like they were arguing as we only caught a couple raised words as they were passing almost the spot we left the trail they suddenly stopped on the trail and went quiet for a couple seconds i held my breath squeezing her hand a few seconds pass more and i can feel my muscles tense i had my four inch blade trail knife and a leatherman But even if the things they were carrying were just sticks, I couldn't fight them if they saw us. In 6 foot and 160 pounds, I'm not much of a fighter. Suddenly, they started arguing for a while longer and headed back down the trail. We waited 10 more minutes and headed down the trail after them, going cautiously. At this point, we were both pretty significantly freaked out. When we neared the trailhead, I stopped her and headed out around the side of the parking lot and saw the three guys more clearly. They had a big old red truck, and absolutely had rifles. They waited around in the parking lot, taking turns peeking in my car, looking up the trailhead, and after 45 minutes of waiting them out, the sun came down they piled in and took off. I didn't get a license plate off the truck because it was facing the wrong way, but I stopped at the ranger station on the way out of the mountains and let them know, but never heard back. I have no idea what might have happened if I didn't stop. We pass plenty of people on most of the hikes we do, but seriously, that was just too spooky for me. My uncle was with the Canadian fisheries as an inspector and recently retired. He told me the story of being in one of the Coast Guard ships and he was to board a Chinese or Japanese ship, don't remember which was fishing close to the international water. They often do this so that if they have to hightail it because of something illegal, they can escape. As they were getting there, they noticed the ship being lifted from the water slightly and tilted to the side before settling back in the water and rocking hard from side to side, as if something huge rocked them. They thought it was a whale, But the Asian ship wasn't exactly small, and whales don't do that anyway. The best they could make out from the broken English, they thought they saw a submarine rise underneath them only to go back down super quickly. Turns out it wasn't a U.S. submarine either. Could have been Russian. My story begins in the unforgiving sands of the Iraqi desert during the tumultuous 1990s. I was a member of a highly trained Special Forces unit, prepared for the most challenging missions that wartime demanded. Our next operation would be like none other, one that still haunts my thoughts to this day. We received orders to infiltrate an enemy barracks situated near the heart of the desert. The mission was clear, our objective well defined. We boarded our aircraft, ten of us, ready to face whatever lay ahead. The descent was treacherous, the sky above us filled with tension. But it wasn't the landing that would test our mettle. It was the unforeseen twist of fate that awaited us on the desert floor. As we touched down, it was clear that something had gone terribly wrong. In a miscalculation of our drop zone, we were scattered far and wide across the barren landscape. The desert swallowed us whole, And it was only by a stroke of luck that four of us managed to assemble at the agreed rendezvous point. My heart pounded with uncertainty as we tried to make sense of what had transpired. Our ranks were decimated, our brothers in arms missing. The camaraderie that had been our strength was shattered, replaced by an eerie silence. My voice trembled as I questioned the others. What happened to the team? One of my surviving comrades, his face etched with terror, began to recount a story that defied all reason. He spoke of a predator, an entity that defied explanation. It stood eight to nine feet tall, towering over like a giant among men. Its eyes, he said, were otherworldly, large and eerily reminiscent of the cat-like eyes often associated with extraterrestrials. It was a creature draped in darkness, its cloak so in that it blended seamlessly with its form. The description sent shivers down my spine the predator was impossibly thin skeletal and tall a figure that defied the laws of nature it appeared as if it had no discernible hands or feet a being of the unknown and its eyes he emphasized glowed with a sinister luminescence according to my unit this entity this predator had hunted down our fellow soldiers they had been slaughtered one by one their lives extinguished by an enigmatic force that they couldn't comprehend. The only reason we stood there was that we had fled when the predator descended upon our team. I was left in a state of disbelief, my skepticism warring with the horrifying account I had just heard. Could such a creature truly exist, or was it a result of fear in the fog of war? But as I looked into the eyes of my surviving comrades, I saw only the truth, the undeniable fear that clung to them. In the end, I had no choice but to believe them. The mission couldn't be abandoned, our duty to our country remaining unwavering. We pushed forward, our resolve steeled, knowing that an unseen predator lurked in the darkness of the desert, a sinister entity that would forever haunt our thoughts. We continued our mission, driven by a sense of duty, leaving behind the unfathomable terror that had cast its shadow upon us. This story may sound crazy, but hey, being overseas can do that to your brain. This is something I saw, and I can confirm it's true. You can do with my account whatever you want. So I never thought I would find myself in such a dire situation, but it happened. Over ten years ago, I was part of a Navy SEAL, a special forces stranded behind enemy lines during a covert mission in Benghazi. I knew that my training and resilience would be put to the ultimate test as I fought to survive against all odds. I had always been an occasional basketball player, finding solace in the court during my downtime. Back to the story, so our team was on a routine patrol when we were suddenly ambushed by enemy forces. We took cover, returning fire and desperately seeking an escape route. In the chaos of battle, my eyes caught something peculiar in the distance. Amidst the dust and sand, there stood a creature unlike anything I had ever seen before. It had the silhouette of a werewolf, but its entire form seemed to be composed of sand, swirling and shifting with the wind. Two menacing horns adorned its head, and its eyes glowed with an otherworldly intensity. I couldn't believe what I was witnessing, and for a brief moment, time seemed to stand still. But in the midst of the fight, I knew I had to focus on defending my team. We were outnumbered and outgunned, but I refused to let fear consume me. With every ounce of strength and determination, I fought back. To make this account short, we managed to hold our ground, but the cost was high. One of our brothers, Jack Goodman, had fallen, leaving a void in our tight-knit unit. As the dust settled and the enemy forces retreated, we felt a relief. This ambush was unsuccessful. We had survived but the weight of loss hung heavy in the air, overshadowing the survival we had achieved. Now to the cryptid, I couldn't shake the image of the creature I had seen, the sand-filled werewolf with horns. I still wonder, was it a mere hallucination, a trick played by the mind under extreme stress? Or was there something more lurking in the shadows of this desert? Please tell me I didn't lost my mind. I spent two weeks backpacking in New Mexico a few years back, and I just have to say that it's pretty amazing how easy it is to disconnect when you're out there. Anyhow, we were in a group of five tents with a campsite up on the rim of a canyon, which had the benefit of a fantastic view, but put us over a mile away from the closest water source. I had really argued in favor of this site, so I was happy to volunteer to go get water and recruited my best friend to help me bring back a second water container. Man, am I glad he came with me. It was around dusk when we left, and honestly we had a good time just chatting about how great the trip had been this was our last night out. We'd already had our fair share of adventures, running into a couple of bears and getting hit by an enormous storm. While we were above the tree line, being the highlights, so we just got lost in reflecting on the trip and laughing about it all. It was definitely getting close to sundown by the time we had gotten the water, though, so we set off back to camp at a pretty quick pace, which kept the chatter to a minimum. On the walk back, I thought I had heard a few sticks crack off in the woods, but I really didn't think that much of it. We'd heard weird noises before, and the cracks weren't loud enough to come from bears. Anyways, we ended up getting back to camp fine, eating dinner, cleaning up, and heading off to bed without incident. At this point I'll mention that that although the stargazing in New Mexico is supposed to be really exceptional, I was never really blown away by the amount of stars we saw owing to a super bright moon almost every night keeping the sky fairly light at night. Anyways, everyone was in their tents when I heard what was still to this day the most blood-curdling, high-pitched scream coming from a very close distance. It was very akin to a woman or child in severe pain but with something still very distinctly otherworldly to it. Now I'd heard about the sounds that mountain lions make, but damn, it's just one of those things that you don't understand until you've heard it. That's when I got scared, but the worst bit about it was that the noise had come from the side of my tent that was facing the canyon rim, and I was camped probably within ten feet of the rim. So this meant that the cougar was either less than ten feet away from me, or that it was doing some kind of ninja-cat type moves up the on the canyon I'm not sure which was scarier in my mind. Anyways, like I said, we've got five dudes in three tents, and the guy who's alone gets scared and doesn't want to be alone. So the other four guys all popped out of our tents, walked in a huddle over to his, and then strategically dropped off two guys before the final three scurried back into one tent, leaving a single tent empty, hopefully as a decoy. However, when we were out there, we didn't see the mountain lion, which meant that we had a ninja cat on our hands, made all the scarier by the fact that mountain lions can weigh well over 100 pounds, and keep the demeanor of your average pissed-off house cat. Anyways, I'm no longer falling asleep anytime soon and have my hiking poles in hand for protection, when I swear that I heard the faintest little swishing sound on the outside of my tent. That death machine ninja cat was taunting me, just like my cat back home. Screw you, Carol Ann, you're a jerk on account of being related to this thing. By ever so lightly swishing its tail against the door to my rain fly. Admittedly, to this day, I'm not positive that that's what was for sure going on. But the sound was real, and it was scary, and that's definitely what I thought was happening at the time. This next part has no such mystery to it. As previously stated we had a really bright moon that night and it had illuminated the walls of my tent and the death cat took full advantage of this fact as the cougar padded silently through our campsite its shadow projected onto my tent and my eyes followed that shadow as it crept straight through the middle of our campsite while i forgot to breathe for a few minutes eventually its shadow disappeared from the side of my tent and I fell asleep about an hour later once my heart rate returned to fairly normal. When we woke up the next morning, no one had died so we were actually pretty stoked about the whole experience. We saw a few faint tracks in the middle of the campsite, but otherwise there was no real evidence of it ever actually happening. We did report it to a ranger when we left the next day, and he told us that the cougar had probably stalked me and my best friend back from the water source got confused when we disappeared into the tent. Apparently, enclosed structures blow their minds, and the roar had been in frustration after it had lost its prey. He also mentioned that I probably would have been attacked had I gone to get water alone. So it was good that I brought a buddy. So moral of the story is always roll with your bros, because you never know when a 200-pound cougar is going to follow you for miles to try and eat you. The officer involved in this story goes by the name of Officer Michael Frankton, currently stationed at the 14th Precinct. So one night about two months ago, he was sent to investigate a call of an animal trying to break into a house on the west side of town. The caller reported that they were not sure what it was, and that it looked like some sort of large skeletal animal. When he got there and searched around the perimeter, He found no tracks or trace or evidence that would suggest any person or animal had actually come close to entering or tearing into the property. After entering into the home, which seemed completely normal, everything was closed up and locked as if nobody was there. He even searched all around inside just to make sure nothing had gotten in. He exited the house and walked around to check the perimeter again before his radio started going off notifying him that the officers had arrived on the east side of the property where he would be able to help them with an animal control call. When he approached them, he told them that there was this large creature that looked like it might have been injured, hence the skeleton exposure, and that this animal had possibly escaped and was injured, and now darting all over the property. They brought Officer F. back around to where the animal was initially sighted, Right up ahead of them was what they could best describe as something straight out of hell itself. It seemed almost like a hulking mass of rotting flesh and bone, and had this terrible odor of rotting meat and death. In the officer's words himself, he said that this thing looked like a real-life horror movie prop from an undead movie, but was actually moving around. It had long arms and massive claws at the end of each finger. It was staring into their eyes with an abnormally large mouth split open, as if it was not trying to bear any of its teeth at all. The officers all fled the scene while this being began running alongside the cruiser, trying to keep up with them. Any other information about this night was blotted out and classified. Little is known about what happened to Michael F. or his current whereabouts, or if he is even serving still as a police officer. If you would like your own police encounter stories to be featured on this post, please use the submission form available. We look forward to hearing more stories.